Well, this might be our spiciest episode yet because we're talking about being single with a sex drive. That's right. We're going there because we know you guys need to talk about this and we know how frustrating and confusing this topic can be for a single girl. Why did God give us sexual desires and singleness if he doesn't want us to act on them? How are we supposed to view our sexuality as a good thing, but pursue purity at the same time? When does a sexual urge become sin? Joy is here to answer all of our spicy questions, so let's get into it. Welcome, Joy. And to our regular listeners, um, you may recognize Joy Skarka because she did an episode with us once before. Yes, episode 48. She gets to share a little bit more of her story for those who haven't heard it yet. And it is awesome. Oh, it's so, so good. So consider that like part one and this is part two. Yeah, we're just continuing the discussion because we have a lot to talk about when it comes to um, single and a sex drive. Uh, Joy, why don't you tell us just a little bit in a nutshell about yourself for those who are maybe just joining us for the first time? Yeah, thank you. And so I'm Joy Skarka. I work at Authentic Intimacy. I'm the director of discipleship over there. And I love that you called this a spicy question because actually what we're talking about today is our most requested topic at Authentic Intimacy. So we talk about this a lot. We're not afraid to go there and I'm excited for our conversation today. That's great. Well, thank you so much for taking time to be with us. And uh, one thing that I said in the podcast on your earlier episode is that you have all the credentials, all the papers, all the certificates, but you also have the heart because you've experienced a lot of the things that we've talked about today. And it makes a difference when someone is speaking from their heart. And so thank you for being with us. Joy, as a single girl, I'm very, very excited that you're our guest today. This topic is the topic that's been most requested um, by my friends and um, just girls in my ministry for us to talk about. And I think the biggest question that our audience has is why would God give me sexual desires as a single girl, but then tell, tell me not to act on them. Like that just kind of doesn't seem fair. And so how would you answer that? I love that question, Leah. And I think to start off this episode, we need to talk about why God even created sexual desires. Like what is the point here? And even looking back at the garden, we know that God created us as sexual beings. Before the fall, we see that God says we were naked and unashamed. And so that's how he created us. He wanted us to be that way in a marriage and, and explore and have this intimacy together with our spouse. And then we see the fall and shame entering. But God created us with those desires to pull us into a relationship with him and with others. And so just laying that foundation here is the reason why we have sexual desires. They're a good thing. They're not a bad thing. They're how God created us. It's just how we steward them in singleness and in marriage. Like we have to still steward our sexual desires as married people. We can't be lusting over coworkers or all these different examples, but um, and so your, your part there on it doesn't seem fair. I think when we have this framework that it's a good thing, but we have to know how to steward it kind of helps us 
navigate that. And a lot of what I've seen in ministry are two different extremes. People either repress sexual desire and say, you know, push it down, push it down. I don't have any desire or they act on it. And that leads to sexual sin and neither are a part of God's perfect design. So I think for us, we want to talk about that, that middle ground, how to navigate that middle area of being single and sexual at the same time. Ooh, I'm excited for this, especially because I was in a Bible study this morning and we were just talking about this and I go, you know, what's funny. I'm actually recording a podcast about this today and bringing on an expert to talk about it. So I know they're all going to be really excited, but I love that you use the word steward and that we're all on the same page, married or single. Like we all are stewarding our sexuality in a way we're stewarding the gift that God gave us. And so I'm excited to specifically talk about stewarding that as a single person. Joy, when you were talking about how sexual desire is what draws us closer to God and to others, could you kind of speak into that a little bit? Because I'm, I'm envisioning it's like, okay, how does that work practically? What does that mean? What does that, you know, could you speak into that a little bit? Yeah. And this I'd say, Kim, is the most complex issue, not issue, co complex topic of biblical sexuality. When I talk to college students and I'm trying to unpack this, I tell them, if you can get this, it's all going to come together. <laughs> we just got to unpack this. And so I think the best way to, to think about it is think about when you were a, a little girl or even like a high school girl, you just had this longing to be loved longing to be known, to be cared for, to be held. I know that was a huge part of just why I thought I wanted a boyfriend. But what we find is that no earthly relationship can truly fulfill that desire. Only God can fulfill that desire. So what we think would fill it like a sexual relationship on earth is just a small little glimpse at something that God created. He created these holes in our hearts so that we would long for him. And so that sexuality, that peace is just the way on earth that we see this laid out. But God in, in heaven, like we have this perfect relationship with him where there won't be sex in heaven. I don't, well, I don't know. That's a, that'd be another topic to, to talk about. But like God fulfills all the needs that we have. Um, so I hope that helps a little bit. But this is something we can continue unpacking throughout the conversation. This might be kind of a blunt question, Joy, but if I'm a single single girl and I have a sexual desire, but my relationship with God isn't sexual, like how can he meet that desire? You, you talked about that a little bit, but I envision our audience maybe having that question. Like I have, he's given me this sexual desire, but my relationship with God obviously is not sexual. So how can he step into that? Right. It, it's kind of confusing for us because we're thinking, you know, I'm a physical body here on earth. God's not physically here. And so a few different things is I believe that if God truly created us as sexual beings and, and truly that his intimacy can be enough for us, I encourage women I know to just start praying like, God, help my intimacy be with you so, so deeply and so intimately that I feel that connection. Um, one time I had a friend, you know, she said she just misses hugs and touch. I said, have you ever prayed that 
you could just feel God hug you almost. I know that sounds crazy almost, but she started praying that and she said it just deepened their connection. She said while she was even reading the word, she would just ask God, like, can you just speak to me and make it so intimate in this time? So that's one thing. And just secondly is I believe through relational relationships that we can experience God love in intimate ways. And as a single person, that looks like community, friendship, being together with other believers, like being in a small group where you're talking about your life and your story and intimate things. I believe you see glimpses of of that love and connection um, through other relationships. That's really helpful, Joy, just to think about that even when it comes to sex, there are underlying desires for why as a single girl, I desire sex and that those underlying desires, God can absolutely fulfill. I think that really helps shape my perspective. Yeah, definitely. Even as a married person and getting to experience sexual intimacy is like, there's so many other things that go into intimacy outside of sexual, you know, you have like the physical, the emotional, the spiritual intimacy together. And so I'm starting to even see like just how, how, what the bigger picture of intimacy even is and how that ultimately intimacy is fulfilled in a relationship with God. So I love that we went back to kind of the foundation there of understanding intimacy. And I think that really helps us understand sexual desire when we know what intimacy with God actually is. Joy, there's so much talk these days about purity culture, and we should probably take a moment too to define purity culture, but it in this culture, it kind of makes pursuing purity a bad thing or a negative thing. And so what insights would you have? And could you also define purity culture for us and just help us if we are wrestling with that, what to do? Yeah, it's such a great question. And actually at Authentic Intimacy, we've stopped using the phrase purity just because it has been triggering and because of the negative association with the purity culture. We actually started using the phrase sexual integrity, like how can you pursue sexual integrity? And let me just explain a little bit about what purity culture is and why we started using that phrase. But the purity movement, it kind of, you know, 80s, 90s is when it's best known for. It started a little bit politically and historically before that, but it kind of focused on the negative messages around sex. So just don't do it, just say no. And if you say no now to sex, you're going to have this wonderful spouse. You'll have incredible guilt-free sex when you're married. It kind of presented these promises that you're going to have this great fulfilling sex life. But then we saw what we saw is women were repressing their sexual desire and then entering into a marriage thinking that wedding night they'd flip a switch and all of a sudden become this sexual being. And um, they just felt a lot of shame around their sexuality. And what we, there was the purity narrative, the purity culture was still getting some things right. I mean, pursuing purity isn't a bad thing. I think it's just how we talk about it. So instead of focusing on us earning purity, which is what the purity message was saying. Like if you do enough good things, if you just refrain from sex, you're pure. We have to talk about how we can't earn our own purity. We will never be pure on this earth. Like we are constantly becoming more like Christ, but we're not Christ. And we have to realize that we're only pure because of what Jesus has already done for us on the cross. I think that's the biggest message that maybe the purity culture was missing is we can't earn our purity. Jesus gives it to us and we're on this sanctification 
journey. So that's just kind of like a, a definition of it. But for a girl that's wrestling through this, maybe she heard negative things about the purity narrative. I would say I would encourage her to pursue scripture and other Christian resources that talk about these things. So you can kind of figure out what does the Bible actually say and what have we culturally or historically been saying that's just slightly twisted from what scripture actually means. So hope that helps. Joy, one of the next uh, biggest questions that girls have that I've, that I've talked to is when does my sexual desire, which is a good thing from God turn into sin? Like that feels like a really fine line. And so how do I know when that feeling of desire is now becoming a sin, a, a sin, and what does it look like to handle that desire in a healthy way? Yeah, this is such a great question. And I feel like it is such a fine line and different for different people. But what I would ask them to think about is, so if it go, it can just so quickly go from a struggle or a simple possible thought to meditating on it or lusting on it or, or spending time thinking about it. So for example, if you're walking, you know, on campus and you see a good looking guy, it's okay to be like, Hey, that's a great look, good looking guy. That's a normal God created a sexual beings. So that's a normal thought. But if you take it then a step further and start, you know, fantasizing about doing things with him or getting married to him, like that's taking it a step further is when I would say it starts turning to sin um, than just that quick, like thought. Mm -hmm. That's really good. I think that really helps put it in perspective too, because it's like, yeah, like, like you said, God did create us with sexual desires. So it is a natural thing to, you know, when we're single to be, to see someone and go, wow, they are attractive. But I think that really makes a good distinction of when is it just like a, a thought in your head that's brief of they're attractive and when does it become like fantasy or lust? Like you said, that's really good. Yeah. That really hits home for me. I can, I can think of either like either guys I've seen or, um, guys I've liked. And I can think about whenever it went from like noticing that he was attractive to wanting to like fantasize or wanting to like take that a step further. So that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I think it's helpful too, when practically you talk about what are you feeding into your brain? Like, what are you watching on TV? You know, what shows are you binging? Who are you following on social media? These kind of things I help, I think help turn it into a sin if they're not good things that you should be watching, that you're, you're focusing your time and energy meditating on without even realizing it. So I think that's a practical way to help your desires not turn into a sin as quickly or as often almost. You know, two resources that come to mind that I think have been really helpful that I wish were available when I was a younger woman. The one is Dr. Julie Slattery has a study called Sex and the Single Girl. And I think that study should be um, required reading for every believer in college because it just helps you have a or gain and grow in a healthy respect for God's design in sex and how he put it together, how it works, why he has boundaries on it. Um, and it just really, I think, will help shape a good uh, a good perspective on sex without it becoming sin. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And then the second resource is kind of crazy because I'm a movie watcher. I love movies. And um, but there are filtering systems out now, ClearPlay and VidAngel, and our family has both of them. And you can watch a movie and just take out all the, the sex scenes because I I don't want to watch other people having sex, you know, but the story's good, but I just want to cut that out. And so you can do that. And so you can subscribe to those. Um, and those are really helpful resources. So I just thought I'd mention it. Enjoy. That makes me think, tell me if, tell me if you think this is a good idea, but maybe a way like in our mind to determine if a thought is just a, a good sexual desire versus sin is like asking, like, is what I'm thinking about this guy? Can I like praise God with that thought? Or can I like give thanks with this thought? Like, I feel like if I'm noticing that a guy is attractive, I can be like, God, you like designed him like so attractive and beautiful. Like, look at what you have created. But if I'm like thinking about him with his shirt off, then I probably like, I feel more uncomfortable, like praising God with that thought. I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> no, that makes but sense. But I, I try to think about like what questions just help make things more clear to mm -hmm, myself. Mm -hmm. So do you think that would be helpful? Yeah, I do. I like that a lot, Leah. Joy, I also have friends who we talked about purity culture a little bit earlier, but I have friends who came to Christ kind of out of the hookup culture and then into purity culture. Um, and so now a lot of them have gotten married or are engaged and it's brought up a lot of shame about their sexuality because they've trained their brains to believe that sex is bad. And now that they're about to get married or they just got married, it's like this, this switch is supposed to flip on their wedding night that all of a sudden this is such a good thing, but that's just not practical. So how can a single girl pursue purity in her thoughts and actions, but yeah, just not believe sex is bad. Yeah, that's a great question, Leah. And we see this a lot with people who did spend some time in purity culture, but I think a lot of it is just re-education. Um, a lot of, like Kim mentions, the um, sex and the single girl study, but there are a lot of great Christian resources out there. Julie Slattery just came out with a new book, God, Sex, and Your Marriage, that talks a lot about this. So helping navigate through an education and a re-education of what scripture says about biblical sexuality. And also, especially you mentioned these people are engaged or getting married, beginning to have these conversations with your spouse, like sharing, Hey, this is what I believed growing up, or this is what was taught to me. What, what was taught to you navigating these conversations together? Cause you, you'd be surprised too. I had some women they thought, you know, while they, before they were married, they had worked through all their their kind of conflict and struggles from the purity culture. But then when they got married, they faced new things that they didn't realize might be a, a thing. And so that communication together is just so helpful in navigating that. And even finding like for us, for my husband and I, we found older couples who could mentor us through these conversations because we didn't know where to start. We didn't know what the right questions were to be asking. Um, so I thought that was so helpful for us in our journey. Thanks for sharing that, Joy. I think it's just a helpful perspective, whether you're a single listener or you are a married um, person and you're just like, oh, okay, like I'm not alone here. Like we're all bringing something into marriage one day. We're all going to have struggles or things that we need to navigate through. And so it's just a, unfortunately, when sin enters the world, it's a normal thing to struggle and to not see things the way like God has actually designed them. And so I'm glad that you just encouraged us all in that of us not being alone in those struggles. 
I think the whole re-education thing is huge, you know, like what you were talking about, Joy. But um, Dr. Slattery's got these great resources. And, you know, this, she's got Sex and the Single Girl for Single Girls. And then she has this whole study. I know she's got the new book, but she also has Passion Pursuit. And a lot of married women have gone through that because even, you know, we just all need some re-educating about um, just God's beautiful design for sex. And uh, so anyway, those are good resources. Yeah. And I think too, just to add in how important it is to surround yourself with other married friends. Uh, Like we are in a married couples group and sometimes we break out guys and girls and you just will hear people ask questions. They're like afraid to ask <laughs> like, oh, I, I didn't know I could ask this, but this feels like a safe place. Like, is, are you guys struggling with this or do you have pain during sex? These little questions that people are afraid to ask with and, and, and they see, hey, you know, other people are struggling too. It's creating that safe space. Um, to re-educate one an- with one another in community. And it's not turning to pornography. Like we talked about in previous episodes, how so many people Google their questions and find porn to be their sex educator. Well, that's not a good sex educator. We need to use our Christian resources and our Christian friends to answer a lot of these questions that we have. Joy, you mentioned this in the podcast um, that we did earlier, but why is porn not a good sex educator? Yeah, so I think uh, it's the most common sex educator, but it's also the worst sex educator. Some of the reasons are it's fake, it's edited. Sadly, a lot of the performers are high or drunk to get through filming scenes all day. Um, It's fake in that the way it portrays sex is not realistic. It's often aggressive, abusive, and showing women actually enjoying or liking the the aggression. Um, so it it's not realistic, and also it, it just those are our brothers and sisters in Christ, the image of God displayed, and um, just such a negative way. Um, and it it's also just damaging to your marriage or a possible future marriage. Um, those images get stuck in your head and it could become addictive. So there are quite a few reasons of why uh, it's also linked to sex trade. There's a lot of um, women that are s- kind of stuck in that. Um, so yeah, there's a lot, a lot of problems with pornography. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for sharing those. I think that's important to know because the our culture is just not saying all those things. I was just going to throw in that um, it definitely impacted my marriage and what I thought sex would look like from pornography and not just that, but from media and culture and movies, sex was nothing like that. And that's why the re-education process is so important because in my first few weeks of marriage, it's like, what, this isn't anything of what I expected it to be. Um, Actually in our premarital counseling, the counselor never even once brought up sex as a topic. So we were really entering into this pretty blind, except for my past porn addiction. So it wasn't great. (laughs) So it definitely impacted us. (laughs) 
Well, praise God for the work that he's done in your life since and you just getting to turn around, share your mess and make it God's message, which is pretty cool. I have a question for you, Joy, that is probably super specific, but I feel like this is a safe place so I can ask you anything. What does one do with like sexual dreams? You know, it's like you're dreaming. You don't, how do you, you can't really control that. So like, what do you do like when that does happen? Yeah. So we can't control our dreams but we can control what we look at during the day, what we think about during the day, and even our night routine leading up to to bedtime. This is something I um, get really frustrated with because I this happens to me, and it, it's just so frustrating. You wake up from a dream, and and as a married woman, and I just had a sexual dream about something, someone else, not my spouse. And you wake up and you just are so frustrated. You feel shame. And um, it used to take me out for a whole day where I would just feel so bad and so shameful about it. And so what changed in it for me was waking up that morning and immediately just going to God in prayer and just asking God, I know I can't control that, but can you please just take, I, well, I would ask him to take them away, stop these dreams. Um, but I would also ask him just take away the shame that I feel, um, help me follow you today and, and not be stuck in that. And so that helped me kind of work through it. And then I think it was just, I mean, a repercussion of past sins in my life would be living out in my dreams. And so it was something I had to process with and deal with, but gosh, just so much prayer. Like the minute these dreams, I try, would try to start waking myself up too during these dreams and, and be in prayer just asking God to stop them from happening. But I think the more we can run to God instead of away from God, when we're walking through this, the better. Like God wants us to come to him and he doesn't want us to feel too shameful because of these dreams that we're having. So that really helped me. And then when I mentioned of what we look at during the day, just certain things can be more triggering and, and cause us to have more sexual thoughts than others. So especially as a single person, just being careful what you're watching um, because and a married person too, what am I saying? It's the same for both of us that it could cause us to think about things that aren't godly. So Joy, I love that we're just getting real on this podcast. And so I think the next topic we should talk about is masturbation. Um, and I think whenever I was growing up, masturbation was a very like hush, hush, like, I didn't think that any girls besides me were struggling with it. Um, I didn't feel comfortable talking about it to just my friends in the church world. And it seems like now the culture has kind of shifted to masturbation is like a very acceptable, like healthy, like outlet. Um, and so would you say that masturbation is the best solution for a single girl that's trying to fight her sexual urges? Like is masturbation the best way to explore our sexuality? I think it is such a fake, <laughs> fake solution, temporary fix for what we're ultimately craving, which is this intimacy with God and with others. And so I think, you know, it's good to say that it's not in the Bible. The word masturbation is not used in the Bible. So we can't point to a specific verse, but there are other verses that, that kind of talk about it. Like the, the one verse, and if your eye causes you to stumble, like gouge it out or cut off your hand, <laughs> whatever that verse is. Um, 
And it kind of goes with the story is when I was in college and really struggling with masturbation and, and pornography, addictive masturbation, just to clarify is I took the doorknob off my door in my college uh, apartment because I didn't deserve to have any privacy. I knew that I would just turn to masturbation to deal with my loneliness. And it was to meet these desires that I had and these needs I had, but it wasn't actually meeting them. You would feel more lonely. You'd feel more um, angry. And so I think it, it doesn't actually fix anything. I think it also can become really addictive. And I think a big problem for us was, and this again, this is getting really personal and honest here, but you get so good at learning how to please yourself as a single woman. And then you get married and you're frustrated that your husband doesn't know how to please you the way you want to be pleased. And it was so frustrating. <laughs> and my poor husband, my poor husband, he, he never struggled with pornography. You know, he, he just had a different past than me. And, um, I had it, I took it all out on him because, because he didn't know what to do. And so it just did not help our marriage. Um, those early months. Joy, I just appreciate your vulnerability so much. Cause those are the types of things that as a single girl, it's just such a blessing to hear. It's like the things that you wish you would have known as a single girl. I'm just grateful for married women's vulnerability in those things, especially this topic. Um, so thank you for sharing that. And I feel like it goes along with why we tiled the podcast the way that we did, because there's choices that you can make today that affect a future marriage later. And, you know, we talk about a lot of like positive things in that space, but that also like comes to the negative. But I'm so like grateful for God's grace and how our past is completely covered and both are old sin and new sin is all covered by God's grace. So I want that to be also a message of this podcast that if you are currently struggling, know that grace is available to you. His purity is available to you at the price of a son. And that is just huge. And I hope that gives you freedom to keep walking forward towards Christ. Oh yeah. And just to give some hope, I mean, that was my husband, my husband and my story, you know, in the beginning of our marriage, but things have gotten a lot better. And this this didn't completely destroy our sexual intimacy. So there is so much redemption in this. And, and so much of that, we went to a sex counselor, a sex therapist. We talked through all this. We found that community of other married couples to help on this journey. And, and we really like shared what we were struggling with and invited others to be a part of it. And so through all that, I feel like it actually brought us closer, um, my husband and I. Um, we were able to learn each other's needs better and communicate about sexuality better. So in the end, I do think God used the pain from my past and did bless our marriage. Praise God. Yeah, that's awesome. Joy, I talk to a lot of girls that are frustrated because their guy friends, and I would say these are probably not like godly men, but they talk about masturbation. Like it's good for them. Like, this is a good thing for me to do. Like they, they have to do it. And they say like, why is it any different for me as a girl? Like, why do you guys feel like it's okay for them? But like, it's not okay for me. Like, it feels like there's this double standard. Would you say that's true? You know, I have heard even Christian Jesus loving Christian saying, like, as long as you don't think about anything while you're doing it, it's only physical and then it's not a sin. 
And so, I mean, if someone is able to do that, maybe they're right. I find that pretty hard to do. Um, but maybe if they could do that, I, I don't know. I just think that might be hard to do. But I think the most important part here is this qu question of the heart issue. Like what, where's my heart when I masturbate? Is it pulling me closer to God or is it serving myself and, and pulling me away from God? Because when we remember, we talked about how God created us for this deep intimacy with him and others. And so when we look at masturbation, I feel like the only intimacy it's growing it, fake intimacy, but it's with ourself. Um, I also think it, I, we do talk to some women in particular who just masturbate, but most of the time it's partnered with pornography. And so that adds a whole nother layer of, of why this is a problem. Um, but I do believe either situation there that it's really stopping us from experiencing that deep love that God has for us. It's just, it, it's focusing on the self and serving maybe our loneliness or anxiety and a practical tool. This was really helpful for me. I know we briefly mentioned triggers is understanding what is triggering you when you're about to turn to masturbation or really any sin that you're turning to for comfort. It could be food. It could be, you know, when do you start scrolling on your phone? And so the way that this helped me is an acronym called HALT, and it stands for hang, uh, hungry. I was going to say hangry. <laughs> sometimes you get both. That's true. <laughs> That's I, do, true I know I do. <laughs> right. Yeah. Sometimes you feel hangry, uh, hungry and angry. But anyway, HALT, it stands for hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. And those are the four most common times we turn to something. And so it's good to recognize in that moment, oh, am I actually hungry and I just need a snack? Or am I in that moment turning to masturbation? Or the I think the lonely one is the biggest one for the women I talk to. And so what I do, I encourage them, make a list of friends. You can call or text in that moment. Like, are you spending enough time with your friends? Are you going, um, hanging out as a group? Are you, are you in a small group? Any different thing that can help with that loneliness. Um, because sometimes we misinterpret that as a sexual desire, but really we are just created as relational people who need friends. Um, so thinking through all these things in the middle of that temptation is really important. I'm really glad you said that because I've never really thought of it that way, that we could be misinterpreting a sexual desire and just feeling lonely. That's really, really good. Yeah. Or hungry or just tired. Okay. I feel like I get this one a lot. You know, <laughs> girls are like, but I'm like a physical touch person, you know, like that's how I show love. Like, what would you say to like that person who's trying to fight um, sexual desire and how would she feel that like just desire for physical touch without physical intimacy? Yeah. So this is where I, like I shared, I told that friend to start praying for God to kind of meet her in that need. But so much of it too, is your friendships, your community, um, and even like making it your goal or something you do as Christian women, single or married to, to touch, to hug, to greet your friends. I am friends with a widow and she, she says, it's just so important when you hug me because I don't get that at home anymore. I don't have that physical touch. And so just making it a priority to hug your loved ones, your friends. Um, yeah. Cause they might not get it anywhere else and they might not experience that love. 
I just feel hugged by your words just now, Joy. I'm like, oh, because I, I feel girls that are asking this, like physical touch is my number one love language by far, like in friendships and family. Um, and so I, I feel really seen by that response that just when my friends just even just put their hand on my shoulder, it's like a touch is a thousand words to me. Like, I just feel so loved. I feel like so much is communicated through that. And I think in singleness that has been hard. Um, but I totally agree with you that my friends can really meet that need for me, especially when they, when they're not a physical touch person, but they know I am, it means even more that I'm like, they, they really don't want to like be shoulder to shoulder with me right now, but they are. And I, I just feel so loved by that. I love that. And two other things too, I encourage women who have that physical touch need and is to get a massage. Sometimes that helps at like remove some of these sexual feelings that we have. Um, it just releases the tension in your shoulders, your neck, and then also working out. I I've found friends say that's so helpful. Just going for a run, something physical to make your body moving, um, helps a lot as well. Well, joy, maybe we can get a little bit more practical here. Um, but what do I do when a sexual urge arises? Like what's the best, what should be my next step whenever like I get that urge? Yeah. So when you get that urge, it's really hard sometimes in the beginning to realize what's happening. More often you realize it after the fact, like after you already you know, masturbated or something happened, you're like, Oh, darn it. I had, I did that again. Um, but it really training yourself to remember that halt acronym of thinking through what is actually causing you to have this urge right now. Um, and one practical thing is, is charting your cycle. Like there are so many great apps that chart your cycle And there are certain times of the month when your body is just designed to crave physical sex more than other times. That's how God created us as women to conceive and be able to have children. And so I I talk to my, my women that, Hey, if you know when those times are, you can be more proactive and planning a girl's night or getting a massage or whatever it is around those specific days, because knowing, Hey, I might be more triggered that time. So I think that is helpful. And again, trying not to shame yourself when this happens, realizing, okay, this is a good thing. It's a healthy thing. I just have to know how to steward it right now. I need to have a game plan of going on that run or doing whatever it is to help you in that moment. And and coming up with that plan before you're in the moment, right? Because in the moment, it's so hard to think of what to do. So even as you're listening to this podcast, maybe afterwards, just write down journal a few things you can do in that moment when a sexual urge arises. Joy, that's so good. Um, and something that I've been trying to do recently is I'll talk to my sex, sex drive, LOL. Um, I'll try to talk to it. Like it's my friend instead of like, it's like an enemy. And so like when, I mean, just to be blunt, like if I, if I'm turned on by something, I'll try to say like to my sex drive, like, Hey, I hear you. Like I'm acknowledging that you're there. I'm not like trying to like shove you away, pretend like you don't exist. Like I hear you and you're good, like blessing it. Like, but then, but then saying now it's just not the right time. 
And so I think that's helped me develop a more positive relationship with my sex drive that I'm like, I'm not pushing it away. I'm acknowledging it when it's there. Um, and tell it like saying like you are good, but it's just not the right time. It reminds me of what you said about stewarding joy, that it's just about stewarding it. And as a single woman right now, like stewarding it, this sex, my sex drive is just not acting on it right now, but it doesn't mean I shouldn't acknowledge it when it's there. Joy, we're running out of time and we have so much more to talk about. We hope you'll come back again and we, so we can continue the conversation. But before we wrap things up, um, is there anything that you would love to share with our listeners um, before you go? Yeah, so I would love to just invite you all to be a part of, we have online book studies over at Authentic Intimacy. And what they are is a Zoom group online with the same 12 women. We meet from anywhere from eight to 12 weeks and we study a book about sexuality. So these topics that we're talking about right now, you get to have on Zoom with other women who are walking through similar things as you. And what's just been so powerful in these groups is people have said, hey, this is the first time I've ever said the word masturbation out loud. And other women have said, me too. <laughs> so it's just a powerful place to share your story and to dive deeper into what does God's word actually say about all these things. So we have groups open now on our website, authenticintimacy.com, and they start in January. So we have them on all sorts of topics, including that book, Sex and the Single Girl, that Kim mentioned earlier. So we would love to invite you to be a part of that. Awesome. And if anybody wants to um, stay in touch with you and follow you, say like on Instagram, um, can you give us that information? Yes, I would love to connect on Instagram. Feel free to send me a message. My handle is at Joy Skarka, S-K-A-R-K-A. So love to connect over there. And we'll, um, we'll link all this stuff in the show notes below. Well, Joy, thank you so much. Once again, you have um, just been vulnerable and you've taken the first step to really open up and talk about things that um, everybody's curious to know about. And we just appreciate your courage and your openness. And we're just really grateful. And we, um, yeah, we're so thankful to have you with us. And to our listeners, thanks for joining us. We still have a lot more to talk about. So we hope you'll join us again next week. <music>